usually I don't let things set me off. This whole, is Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time? How is this even a discussion? He is. Fact. Right. Not even close. Like, I, I just don't get where, whether it's a social media entity or ESPN or whomever, you know, well, the numbers say, no, it's not even a question. We have eyeballs. We see this man shoot. He is the greatest shooter of all time. He is. No question. Most, most fluid, clutch. I mean, like, even just seeing some of the highlights that people were posting last night, and they weren't, like, big, like, playoff highlights, or, like, game-winning highlights. Like, they were just, like, everyday average game. Oh, I just ran through two screens, faked out two people, pump fake, got another two people to go by me, and I just made that shit look so easy. Uh, he literally is just I, – I'll take it back. I remember when he first played at Davidson, I won so much money off of him in his first NCAA tournament because I had them going to the Elite Eight, and I just put a bunch of money on them each game. He's, he's been it. Since the first day I came across him, he's been the best shooter that I've ever seen. Reggie, you know Ray, this episode, Ray. We're going to give – Amongst other topics, we're giving Steph Curry his flowers. What up, what up, what up? Jason Spells in New York City. Brandon Edler in Los Angeles. This is what you heard. Okay, so what you all will be hearing in the next 25 minutes is a lot of Brandon coughing and hacking. He doesn't have COVID. He's just sick. And that's a weird thing to say in 2021, right? Like, you cannot be sick. Yeah. Even now, like, you know, we were kind of joking about it offline, but, like, I'll, like, cough or something in the office, and it's usually because, like, I had too much hot sauce or something like that. And, like, I have to call it out. They're like, too much hot sauce, not COVID. Like, that's, like, the running joke with everybody anytime something like that happens. But even just, like, office etiquette, like, Plus, I didn't go into the office today. If this was five years ago, I probably would have. You know, I think we consider that a little bit selfish nowadays, which I completely agree. If you're sick, you just shouldn't be in there. But no, it's weird. I mean, you just don't even want to be around people. You don't want that kind of like negative attention or energy from everybody. And I totally get it. It's, you know, here we are almost two years after the pandemic initially started and it's still pretty out of control. Yeah, it's um, it's starting to take its all on the sports world again, which was you know, which is scary, right? Because like I go back to being on the desk for that Oklahoma City Thunder um, Utah Jazz game when Rudy Gobert was the first player to test positive. And it was like, what does this mean? You know, we're so confused. We're going to shut sports down for a while. Here we are nearly two years later and we're seeing, not to the same extent, right? But we're seeing sports somewhat began to taper off a little on their expectations to get through this season. Chicago Bulls had to postpone postpone like two games because they had players who tested positive for COVID. Schefter mm -hmm. was reporting nearly 100 right now. At last count, 75 players in the NFL tested positive. NHL game between the Carolina Hurricanes and Minnesota Wild, that was postponed because of COVID. In Ontario, Canada, one of the provinces, they have gone back to 50% capacity for fans at the Toronto Raptors, Maple Leafs, and Ottawa Senators games. I think the biggest... years later, we're doing this shit again. Exactly. And I think the biggest concern, though, is like, you know, that first year, obviously, they were overly cautious. The NBA did the bubble. NFL season was a little bit, you know, a little iffy here and there. But for the most part, it went pretty well. 
and then no the fans, NBA right? had a full season. Yeah, and then the NBA had a full season and started to get fans at the end of the playoffs, stuff like that. So it seemed like we were trending in a better direction. But like, this is probably the first time since March of 2020 where, you know, you look at it and the integrity of the game is definitely being challenged at this point for the NBA and the NFL. NFL, these are some of the biggest games of the season for people in and out of the playoffs. NBA, it's you know, you just mentioned what the Bulls are going through. They're not the only team. They're the Nets have five players played. in COVID, yeah. Right, yeah. It was KD and four rookies at one point, you know, probably why he's dropping 50 like it's nothing, but it, it's comprom- <laughs> It's starting to compromise the integrity of the game, and that's where it's problematic. You have a superstar here or there, injuries happen, illnesses happen, whatever. I completely agree with that. But when you get to the point where three or four of your best players are going to be off the floor for five, 10, 15 days, yeah, it's problematic, man. Odell Beckham Jr., fresh off their win against the Cardinals, what, Monday night? Sunday night? All Monday the nights run again. It's that time of the year where every Sunday day is night. a Friday. It's, seriously, every day is a Friday, right? Like, once you get past <laughs> December the 12th, it doesn't matter. Every day is like a Friday. Um, so, Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. tested positive immediately after their win. So, the Rams had to go back to virtual, um, I guess, virtual learning, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, your boy, Baker. That, that messed up hand, messed up shoulder, didn't sit his ass down. COVID's sitting him down. He's got the vid. He's out for a week. Uh, and keep in mind, the Cowboys had that with their head coach, Mike McCarthy, being out. Right. So it's it's something that, you know, we're just we, – we ain't out of the woods yet, both in the sports world and the professional world. I, I do think this is different than 2020, and I think this is different than early 2021, right? Because yeah. we do have vaccines. And so a number of people that are testing positive – their likelihood of seeing massive um, death, you know, I guess there's nothing more massive than that, but massive um, health ramifications from it are lessened in the sports world because they're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, it's getting old. It's, uh, I think the other part that's like a little bit concerning too is some of these guys that have been vaccinated, whether it's athletes or probably people that we even know that are still having difficulties with COVID, even though they've had both shots and the booster, you know, some cases just both shots, it's still a scary disease. And, and hearing that a lot of hospitals are starting to run into numbers issues with having capacity issues, like, yeah, man, it, it's, I don't know. It, it's a little fatiguing for sure. Yeah, man. I just brought a COVID test. Um, Cause I mean, yeah, you can go get them done, but here in the city, I don't know what it's like in LA, but like they're massive lines of people waiting to get tested. So I just went and bought one from CBS, run the nostril of the crib, see if everything's okay. Probably just go back to like late 2020, early 2000, 2001. Wow. Wish I could go back to early 2000. <laughs> uh, early this year, 2021, uh, when I'll probably get tested like once a month just to kind of have it, you know, like, hey, I got tested a week and a half ago. I'm good. So we'll see everyone yeah. be safe as you go through the holiday season. We do encourage you all go home, visit your friends, your family. Just do it right. You know, go get a test. Make sure you're okay. We, we highly advocate getting vaccinated. I know I've been, hell, I've been shot three times. I got the booster. So, um, mm. yeah, highly advocate that. It's just something to keep in mind that uh, these things are still popping up in the sports world. Interesting. I know. Uh, back to Steph. Like I said, we're giving him his flowers. I did not go yeah. to the game because, okay, so they had the back-to-back. They were playing the Pacers the night before. And the StubHub was selling those tickets for like 220 bucks for 
the uh, Warriors and Knicks in halftime. It's like 2.20. When it was evidently clear he was not going to break the record, it ended up going from 2.20 up to $400 per seat, cheap seats. Wow. And the garden was packed. It was a magical night, bro. Like, to see everyone there celebrate stuff like that, that was that was one of those I, I will always remember this moment. Definitely. December 14th, 2021, on the couch, like 10 blocks away from MSG, yelling at the TV. No, definitely. The moment with him and his dad, that was – Dell's Del's a cool guy. I don't know why. I just really like Dell. And, you know, even just like the comment he made, you know, with Lamar Ball, you know, Lamar Ball, where I had I told you so. He's like, my hat would have been like, I had no idea. His humbleness, the fact that, you know, he's never tried to like pretend like he knew that he had the greatest thing ever waiting in the wings to play ball. They just have such a great bond to it seems like. Fun note for me, um, 10 years ago, almost to the day, obviously whenever Ray Allen broke the record, that was my very first feature for Complex Magazine was when he broke Reggie Miller's record. And watching Steph do that last night and seeing Ray out there, so it kind of took me back, man, just thinking like everything that's happened in the last 10 years. But that's for another day. Okay, so I'm going to say this, and I know no one's going to agree with me, but go back. Look at the photos. At the end, when it's Reggie, Ray, Steph standing there, Reggie's uh-huh. all smiles, super happy. Ray was giving a little side eye. He looked like the uncle who was deep down not happy for his nephew's success. He did, bro. Serious, come back and look at this. I believe it. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Steph is definitely the greatest shooter of all time, but Ray Absolutely. Allen, his his three pointer is just it's poetic. Like I don't know how to explain. It. He has, he has a right to be a little bit irritated, but ultimately Steph's just a better shooter, and Steph changed the game. You know, he's the one that really you know Dan and Tony with the Suns in the mid two thousands. Like he really kind of like started that that kind of free-willing three-point ball whenever you want kind of offense you know taking the three over two and then obviously when he went to Houston like that was his whole thing is getting the right guy in place that's why he wanted James Harden but it's been Curry Curry's been the one that's really changed the game you know you talk to like but he Trae can Young shoot the three there's nothing yeah, more frustrating than seeing every team settle for threes and they got five horrible three-point shooters on the court right like it's a true basketball fan like you see someone break down at the top of the key get into the paint and all they got to do is just elevate and either shoot the jumper or take another dribble and lay it up, and then they throw it 24 feet out. I hate that. Right. Now, when you throw it to Steph or Clay, I love it, right? Like, or, or Ice Trey or Luca. Like, give me a good shooter. But don't do that and have freaking Tony Snell out there. And I say that because <laughs> I saw Tony Snell playing last night in uh, Portland, and we had an episode, like, maybe, like, two or three months ago when I said, I forgot Tony Snell was still in the league. Flash forward to last night. I was like, damn, he's still in the league. Um, We're giving Steph all this uh, love for three-point shooting, and I'm totally blanking, but he's not even the best shooter in the NBA right now. Is he technically? Who's the guy from the Raptors, the center that, like, out of nowhere is just shooting at such an incredible percentage Yeah, but Steph's just like 14 a game. I get that. I'm not trying to say he's better than Steph. I was just having fun with it, the fact that, I'm totally blanking on his name, but it's just the fact that he was like a 30% career three-point shooter who shot like one three a game in this year. He's hitting almost, you know, two or three a game shooting over 50%. It's just wild. Man, that's the Raptors. They ain't doing nothing worth a damn. We ain't paying no attention to them. Soon they probably Sorry. won't even be able to play. They'll be back in Tampa. Sorry, Sorry, I'm straight up. The way it's going, they're about to be right back in Tampa. 
Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Urban Meyer? <sighs> it's like Where do we start. I mean, to only be three quarters of the way through the season, how many freaking episodes of soap opera can this man have? Uh, latest news just breaking today from a former kicker. Yes, a kicker. Former Jaguars kicker Josh Lambeau says in preseason this year, Urban Meyer kicked him. Not like a ha-ha, like literally kicked kicked his own kicker. Uh, this is what Lambeau, Josh Lambeau, which is a great freaking name, by the way, um, told the Tampa Bay newspaper, Tampa Bay Times. I'm in a lunge position, left leg forward, right leg back. Urban Meyer, while I'm in the stretch position, comes up to me and says, hey, dipshit, make your effing kicks and kicks me in the leg. It certainly wasn't as hard as he could have done it, but it certainly wasn't a love tap. Truthfully, I registered as a five out of ten, which in the workplace, I don't care if it's football or not, the boss can't strike an employee. And for a second, I couldn't actually believe it happened. Pardon my vulgarity, Lambeau told the newspaper, but this is what he said he told Meyer. Don't you ever effing kick me again. And his response was, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. Urban Meyer. This comes on the hill of apparently him getting an argument with the wide receiver last week uh, with him telling his coaches he's losers or they're losers last week, two months after he was caught with a co-ed on his lap in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, damn, this dude sucks as an NFL head coach. After not flying back with the team, the whole reason he was in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, yeah, this guy, he look, sounds like he's got a little bit of an ego problem. It sounds like he doesn't know how to get along with others. Not that tough. He's just an asshole. And if we know one thing about assholes is they don't last very long in success. But it works positions. in college because you're the authority. Exactly. You are right. the but top. That, no one above you. That, but that shit's not going to work anymore either because who is it? Um, was it Lane Kitt? I'm going to mess his name up. I'm sorry. I like cold medicine. I have cold medicine brain. The Is it Lane Kiffin? What's his name? Yeah, there's a Lane Kiffin. He coaches in Mississippi. Yeah. He's coaching USC. Maybe, maybe it wasn't him. Who's, who's the new USC coach? Oh, uh, the new one, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. I think he was the one who said it. He uh, mentioned, he's like, now college football just turned into free agency because now these players can get paid. It's going to turn into I know he ain't a different recruiting game. He can't be talking. He's the same guy he's who recruited Kyler shit. Murray, no, he's no, Baker he's Mayfield, and Jalen Hurts. He literally treated Oklahoma like it was free agents. Yeah, that wasn't my point. I don't think he was talking shit about it. My but point you set is me up. Saying, you, knew, you knew you were going to get me going. Okay. <laughs> my point is, I don't think coaches like that in college are going to have the same power over players when some of these players are making a million dollars a year. When some of these players are, you know, already prior to making money, we're saying F bowl games, my draft stock is in the top 10. Why, why do I care about this? It's going to change. NCAA is going to go through a transition period where coaches don't have that power anymore. And those guys that rule with an iron fist aren't going to last either. I mean, in the end, Herbert Meyer is just not a good coach. He doesn't have the ability. Yeah. He doesn't have the ability to, to relate to his players or his coaches um, nor his ability to command a locker room full of men. It is a drastically different coaching style from the NFL to college football. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not similar whatsoever. Only a few coaches have been able to do it successfully. Very few in the recent era. For better or for worse, Jim Harbaugh, he was able to do it. Um, 
but we've seen Chip Kelly struggle, right? We've seen Nick, mm-hmm. the great Nick Saban struggle. So Urban Meyer struggling is not a shocker. Um, but it's just something that, okay, dude, you literally – like, why the hell would you actually kick your player? Especially right. when they're in the lunge position. Like, that makes no sense. I, I, I don't care if you're joking. Brother. I don't – yeah, I don't, I don't care. Any, but, like, clearly if this dude was that pissed off at you, whatever joke you were trying to get across didn't hit home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also competition in college football, too. Um, you know, back when Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, right, like you could pretty much write out every year the top recruiting classes would be Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and throwing at LSU or Notre Dame or Michigan, one of those schools. Well, Deontay and his prime is changing the whole game as opposed to that. Jackson State, HBCU in Jackson, Mississippi, just had the biggest coup of signing day, and it happened today, December 15th. Uh, Travis Hunter, the second best recruit in the country, originally committed to Florida State, had Auburn, Georgia, also on his short list. He said, F all, F all that, F all that. He's going to Jackson, Mississippi. He signed to go play with Dion at Jackson State and the FCS. Coach Sanders. Coach Brown. Coach Brown. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. So, okay, Dion got <laughs> upset because um, a reporter kept calling him Dion. And he said, you don't do that to Nick Saban. You call me Coach Sanders. First off, I'm a grown-ass man, dog. I don't call another grown-ass man Mr. or Coach. Second mm-hmm. off, if I was interviewing Nick Saban, I'd say, hey, Nick, I've spoken to Bill Belichick. I've spoken to numerous Super Bowl winning head coaches. I call him by their first name. Dion getting the same work. Anyway, go ahead. Dion's such an interesting guy because he is. He, so he came and spoke when I was at finish line. Um, Under Armour brought him into our headquarters. You remember when we used to do those like big national manager meetings, you went out with us a couple of times afterwards. Yeah. So you didn't invite me when you had push your teeth before. I never let well, you we, forget that. We couldn't have outsiders into that part, but uh, um, yeah, he, he was just probably one of the most inspiring people. Like obviously his 30 for 30, a lot of things like he's just seems like such a positive guy, but then it's shit like that. It's like stuff with his ex-wife. Like, he has these little moments where I really don't know if I know who Dion really is. Sometimes he has these little things, but good for him. He deserves that. Love seeing coaches, smaller programs take away from the bigger programs. I wonder how Florida State's feeling since obviously he's probably one of the best players to walk through their field. Um, but good but for Dion, has, man. This has greater ramifications, right? Because historically, African-Americans were not allowed to go to what we call PWIs, predominantly mm-hmm. white institutions. So a lot of black talent then in turn went to historically black colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. And we saw the success of the HBU athletes, whether it was the 50s, 60s, 70s. With integration, our best talent, both athletically and academically, I went to a PWI. So like we didn't go to HBCUs. You now see in the post-George Floyd era, a re-emergence of people saying, you know what? I'm actively going to take my talent to a school that can better utilize it. And so Hunter, uh, once again, the kid's name is Travis Hunter. He's from Georgia. He's the number two ranked recruit in the country. Here's what he had to say. Historically, black colleges and universities have a rich history in football. I want to be part of that history and more, I want to be part of that future. I'm making this decision so that I can light the way for others to follow, make it a little easier for the next player to recognize that HBCUs may be everything you want and more. So I'm all about that, supporting it. But this young man, I mean, he's going to get a great opportunity at Jackson State, a great education. 
great flavor. Um, I've actually been to the campus of JSU. So he's going to, he's going to enjoy that and he can still light it up on Sundays in three years. No question mm-hmm. about that. No, you love to see it. And it's obviously you had mentioned earlier, the George Floyd moment uh, kind of prompted a lot of people to reassess, you know, who they were giving their energy to, who they were helping, you know, prosper. And that's a big reason people are reassessing where they're going to school. But you, you and I think about it in the nineties, like that, that was pretty standard. A lot of guys did go to HBCUs. And, you know, I think about like getting like East Bay catalogs and like the hottest stuff in there was, you know, Grambling State gear and stuff like that. So it'll, it'll be nice to see some of that come back to you know, where it was growing in the 80s and 90s. And it felt like it just kind of hit a, a gross first, or not gross, but dude, my cold medicine head, but y'all get what I'm saying. Just the fact that it slowed down tremendously. And, and you, feel like you see the same six, eight, 10 schools constantly getting top talent, getting all that money going to, you know, what you had mentioned in predominantly white institutions where last thing they need is that. And you talk about not being able to pay these players for the last 10, 15, 20 years yet, you know, they don't like a coach and they pay him 30 million just to leave. And then they bring in a new coach for five years, 75. Million. It's ridiculous. If I was a black athlete, there's no way that I would want to be a part of that either. Um, he mentioned something about those East Bay catalogs. So Michael Jordan's older brother, Larry, went to North Carolina A&T. Shout out A&T, hometown Greensboro, North Carolina. That's my HBCU of choice. Uh, everyone in my family went but me. Um, but Jordan, Jordan Brand did a team shoot, and North Carolina A&T was a Jordan Brand school in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't know that, but, like, you look at A&T jerseys back then, they had the jump man. They had team issue shoes, and, like, they were fire. And yeah, it was crazy. Only... Carolina was still a Nike school at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was only five schools back then that were Jordan brand. It was like them, Cincinnati, California. Um, man, I'm blanking. But yeah, there was only like four or five. It was it a was really prestigious thing back then to be a part of Jordan brand, period. Still is. Always got Aggie pride. Shout out, Auntie. Um, We're going to end it here with Travis Scott. Woof. So I don't know who on his team told him to sit down with Charlemagne the God in his first interview. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. Uh, B, he got dropped from Coachella. He even offered to perform for free, and Coachella said, no, thank you. Cacti is your favorite hard seltzer of choice, is getting taken <laughs> off the shelves. It's a rough time for, for Cactus Jack, bro. It is, but, I mean, I think, look, you know what cheering against Travis to be in this situation nobody was looking for his downfall but I think the reason that a lot of people are you know not defending him is because something negative happened he has a PR problem because he has a real problem this isn't media spinning something up like I get that I don't think his true moral north star was to have people get hurt or killed or anything like that but you know there was a responsibility with what he's been doing at the same time like I was kind of indifferent, like, you know, you and I have talked about this. I'm like, he's getting what he deserves. It is what it is. Again, that's not me hating on Travis. That's just a fact. And at that point, like, I still was like, I hope he comes out of this. Like, I, you know, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he made a really bad decision. He kind of, you know, that's what happens when you cut corners and you just worry about money. But now, like, him going on Charlemagne, I'm sure his legal team told him absolutely no. 
and he did, you know, avoid a lot of legal questions on there, which he has to do. But to me, that just looked like a plea for brands to keep giving me money because I know that I'm losing brand partnership deals. And that's where 90% of his money comes from. And that's the part that I don't know if I'll look at Travis the same after that. Maybe that wasn't his agenda. Maybe that wasn't his objective subconsciously or not. But it sure felt like it. And I'm not the only one that felt that way. And this whole greed and these people that, how much more money do you need, Travis? How many more Lamborghinis do you need? How many more, you know, gold chains? It's just ridiculous, man. Just let it go. Take a step back. You fucked up. Learn from it. Get better. Come back stronger. Well, there's, okay, so look, here is a blueprint for how to fix your public image. It used to be Barbara Walters in the 80s, right? Like everyone would do that sit down at their house with Barbara mm -hmm. Walters on 2020. That's no more. You go to Gail King, you put a suit on, and you sit down and do a two-day interview with Gail King. That's what Travis should have done. He didn't. Um, also, I am more... I'm more impressed by the stick-to-itiveness of the cancel culture in this situation. Normally, we see everyone come out and say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'll never listen to this again. And then within six months, their natural attention span is faded. And we see Travis Scott back to performing, back to selling, back to everything. This is since we're actually seeing marketing partners say, no, thank you. We're seeing brands, businesses, and venues say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes to show more that these companies are putting their, I don't, I don't want to say their ethics, but their appeal to the masses ahead of their appeal to their investors. Because you can still um, make cacti and sell it, right? Like, right. no one was going to boycott cacti. But Anheuser-Busch said, no, we don't want to be associated with this. We're out. Coachella could have easily been like, well, he's performing for free. We're going to donate the money from him to the people in Houston. And we're going to have this be a way for him to apologize. And they said, yeah. no, we're not. But I think you called out when we were talking, I think it was me and you, you called out the most important thing. Who's going to insure him? Oh, yeah. No even if they wanted, yeah, I mean, it, but even if, they, even if they wanted to, I think that was yeah. a valid point by you. I mean, he could sit there and do all the stuff he wants. Yeah, nobody's going to insure him. And that, that's probably the bigger deal. It's not that people are resistant to work with them. They just know financially it's not even a feasible option. So I think that's interesting, man. Um, he's, he, I think last, last check he was facing a potential $10 billion lawsuit. Now that seems a bit excessive, $10 billion, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars will be exchanged in this lawsuit. So we'll see where that goes going forward. Uh, B, man, get well soon, bro. Well, you didn't well. sound that bad. You didn't cough as much as I thought you would I kept muting. I did a pretty good job of muting. Oh, uh, yeah. You were solid. I didn't even notice. Um, hey, <laughs> everyone, enjoy your time. Be safe. Get tested. Take care of your people. So um, y'all can come back and join us next week. Like Wash it. your hands and your stink ass. Yeah, bro. You sound like Red Man. Wash your funky <laughs> ass. Um, as always, thank y'all for listening to the show. If you like it, give us a like. But if you love it, share it. Put your people on so they can put their people on. We'll see y'all back here next week.